Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Matt Stein at Working Concept in Seattle. I'm Patrick Harrington at Mildly Geeky in Boston. I'm Marianne Nolivant here in Portland, Oregon. And today we have on Travis Gertz from Louder Than 10. How are you doing, Travis? Great. Thanks. How are you? Good, man. So we got you on Great. here to talk about something called design systems, right? So let's say that you were out uh, in the Shunan bamboo forest in Sichuan province in China, and you're hunting panda bears. And a, a fellow <laughs> fellow panda bear hunter walks up to you and says, hey, what is this design system anyway? Like, what would you, what would you tell them? Wow. Um, I feel like I might have to do a lot of background that may or may not be relevant to that person in such a weird context, but You're hunting this is black market panda bear hunting. Panda bears. Just, you don't okay, have covered in blood. blood. This is not. Yeah. Okay. This is concerning. You don't have much time. You yeah. Don't have much time. You got to do it. You got to do it concisely. Like what okay, is a well, design? Okay. 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 Let me let me put myself in the in the situation here. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm in the forest. I run into this fellow. Um, <laughs> somehow this comes across. Um, so I would say a design system is simply a way, a set of common, (laughs) it's a common language that we can use to get things done on the most broad scale. So uh, by getting things done, perhaps it is a way to shape an outcome towards an initiative. That's like really broad. And I think for that context, maybe that it's about as useful as I'd want to get, but I don't know. <laughs> Do we want to bring this in a little bit to the context of web development and design? Sure. Sure. So in the in the context of web development, what would a design system be? Um I would say there are many interpretations of this, um, and it's debatable. My personal one is that it is a uh, kind of, as I alluded to before, like a a common language for getting stuff done on the web using whether it's code, uh, language, uh, design, uh, I don't know, characteristics, um, properties, um, just so we can build things faster without having to do a lot of guesswork on a lot of UI details or things like that. Focus on how things work rather than maybe how they look at first. But um, yeah, I'm even I'm even more confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a, a design system is is it a is it a visual thing? Is it a a, a language that you use? Like yes, it, yes, yes. Both is of it those. Anything? <laughs> oh my god. I, I would consider it. You know what? Like a good way to put it is maybe like in my perspective, it's a lot like. You know, like you have a JavaScript framework or, you know, you have a a design system is sort of the same thing, but it's for designing. So it's a set of, you know, being able to fast track a lot of things that you would normally maybe do manually over and over again. It's just a way to set a baseline, maybe customize it. So I could see a, a design system being as simple as using like a utility class library on a web project. That, Mm. in a sense, is a baseline design system. On the other end, you could have something like a set of brand guidelines or something that, you know, is the typefaces you use and the, you know, how to use the logo in a right way. It's just, you know, a set of things so you're not reinventing the wheel every time you want to implement something. Um, So kind of establishing a language framework to use for the visual representation? Okay. Yeah, I would say, I would say. And then within that, you can have things like pattern libraries and you can have style guides and all these other kinds of things. All in all, like we're all working with systems all together. In my mind, it's just a way to, you know, automate things basically and, and have like that sort of common understanding of, of how to work together and move things forward a little bit quicker, a little bit more consistently. So would, would something like Twitter bootstrap, could that be considered a design system? Because they're kind of giving you yeah. a framework, like a button looks like this, right? 
Yeah, in a sense, I totally think you could consider that a design system. Now, it's not maybe a system you should just take off the shelf and only use if you're like want if you care about how your brand looks and if you want to differentiate, but it's a start or it, it is a system that you can design with. So Yeah, it's like yeah. if you want to have lunch, you can go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac, right? But it's yeah. not not the same as, you know, maybe going to a nice restaurant. Right. Totally. Totally. What are uh, what are the signs that you see, like when you're evaluating a potential project that, that look like something that's begging to have a design, a thoughtful design system in place? Like, What are the qualifications for the right kind of project that you might? Well, I think um, personally, like a lot of people might not agree with me in this, um, but uh, the way I see it is it's got a system no matter what. The, the difference is how much of it you're going to, how much work you're going to put into customizing it for this particular project, kind of deciding, you know, where it's going to be useful. If, if so, so for myself, when I look at something, even, even um, CSS in itself is sort of a really low level design system, right? Like it's just, I don't, I actually don't know how you would make something look <laughs> like style a web page without it, but still like, I guess in, in my mind, you're still, automating that way. So for me, I would usually I have a few baseline things like these days I'll use a utility class system basically because it's really low barrier. I know I'm going to be saving some time no matter what. Um, almost always I'll look at a basic brand system. So, you know, there's just some common things like type sizes and stuff like that that I'm going to have to do. Um, the decisions for me usually come in on a... I don't really do client work anymore, but when I did, a big part of it was figuring out how much the client was going to have to use and also how much I would have to collaborate with other people. Like if it was just me and a designer or myself and a developer working on something, it could be pretty simple and basic and we can you know, get by with not creating this massive library of patterns. Um, on the other hand, if we're working on a big team, that's something you might want to invest more into, like making mm -hmm. a big full out pattern library, maybe maybe a lot of documentation around how certain components get used, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Does that sort of answer that question? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I Well, it's it's funny. So when I first learned about you, mm -hmm. it was when you did a uh, a presentation on editorial design at uh, .all in uh, what was it 2017 i think right yeah and and i thought that was a really cool presentation uh and it showed you uh you had built a bunch of custom tools in craft that in combination with utility css you could rapidly kind of experiment with the look of things and you, you didn't like you didn't make your own wix for building client sites this was more something for you to experiment with design with right yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, my background is in magazine design, like editorial design. And so uh, one of the things that always struck me very early in my career was you really ha have to have a good system for that. You know, you're, you're putting something to print every week or every month. Mm. And with a magazine in particular, there's like so much expression and variation throughout but it still kind of has to fall on some sort of system, right? Like you have a series of articles that have to come in. You have to flow that thing out, make sure that every article is edited up front multiple times. You have to have coordinate with photographers, illustrators, all this stuff. And then on top of that, you, the QA process is insane, right? Like you can't just mm -hmm. put something out to print, then revise it. So you have to be able to coordinate all of these things and be able to design this really quickly with a lot of variation and expression and do it really quick, like on a month-to-month -month basis. So you are really forced into that kind of thinking in editorial design a lot. And I found that early, really early on, we didn't really work that way on the web at all. And so a lot of the tools we built, like like early like blog engines like WordPress and things like that, they didn't, it was very much a like, 
here's a title, here's a block of text that you, you know, write in, and there you go, which made it easy to publish things. But, you know, we didn't really, we weren't really thinking about how to display that content or anything else. And so through the years, it's always been a dream of like, how can I, how can you bring that sort of like variation and expression to the web, but make it as also as fast as we can in print Mm -hmm. and easy. So that's sort of been my like thoughts around design systems personally and, and building out on CMSs and stuff. And so that's where all these crazy experiments with craft kind of come in. It just happens to be a really nice platform to be able to do that in. Yeah. And I remember watching the presentation and I I loved it. It it was my favorite presentation of the conference. Uh, Thank you. And well, I think part of the reason, I think this is a natural thing that uh, all people, well, maybe not all, but a lot of people have is when they see someone doing something that they can't do or aren't good at, they're kind of amazed by it. Like, you know, you see uh, Michael Jordan doing crazy basketball stuff, you know, it just seems absolutely incredible to you. Um, But it just happens to be something that he's really good at. And this is the case with um, yourself and design and and me and design, right? Like the the kind of things you were doing up there, I was like, wow, (laughs) really neat the way he's just iterating through it. But the the interesting thing is you were using this as a experimentation tool where you can experiment really rapidly with the look of things, but you were trying to keep a little bit of that language there, right? In between the design of various things. Like you you wanted to be able to have designs that were different on different pages, but there was still like a common thread that definitely tied it together, right? Yeah, I think the the, you know, I put a lot of work into trying to make sure that even the most basic unstyled page is a great start. And I think that's usually where we end up in most websites is just like we get it to a point where everything looks consistent, it works, it looks great, and then we sort of like leave it there. But I like to be able to add in like the extra little layer on top of that. So you don't necessarily have to go expressive on things and go crazy. You always have something that looks great to to start with, but it's nice to be able to kind of take it to a new level. And I think a lot of the tools, like, I mean, the power of CSS now is unbelievable. Plus, like, you know, having access to things like even just having live preview in craft is kind of a game changer. All of those things uh, really kind of lend itself to that sort of, you know, that extra layer. And I guess the issue is less about, you know, can we do it? It's becoming more should we? And that's really on a, mm. a like case by case basis, right? It depends who's going to be, you know, populating the CMS, things like that. In our case, it really makes sense because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we have um, we have an editor that's in there and he's putting in content. We have um, so me and him will work together and also my partner Rachel she's in there a lot and like on our personal webs or on our company website louder than 10 we do that with all of our marketing pages too so every page kind of has its own feel but still has that those bones of the the original underneath it yeah i mean as a as a designer does it depress you that you look at the web and you know a good 70% of it is someone's wordpress theme that they installed <laughs> Yeah, I I mean totally totally does. Um I think I think it's sort of at the same time I I mean one thing that I always say a lot especially lately is like I really do miss <laughs> the days of kind of MySpace. I hate to say it when like oh my god. When like everybody had a little bit of control over how things looked and so mm-hmm. You know, it was ugly a lot of the times. It didn't always, it wasn't always uh, accessible. It wasn't, there was some problems with it. But for a lot of people, that was their first exposure to HTML and CSS and things like that. 
Oh my and, god, he's uh, just gonna get like dan- dancing hamsters and shit. Uh, <laughs> I, I see what you're saying though, because it, back then it was theirs, whatever it was, and however bad it was, it was theirs, and it was their work, and it was it was personal, and there was something kind of like they were attached to it in a way that now you can be hiding behind you know a WordPress theme, and it kind of loses something. Is that what? Yeah, totally. And like the thing about like a WordPress theme is that. Once you have it, that's it. You can't, there's not, if you're not a coder, there's not a heck of a lot you can do to kind of really make it yours, right? It's, it's right. you know, I, I think we've gone, it's, it's like really a little bit nice and vindicating right now to see like all this controversy around Facebook. And like, I hope that people start to, you know, you start to see little snippets here and there, people like starting to reclaim their own blogs a little bit and maybe maybe not going on to Medium necessarily, but like starting a WordPress site or whatever else. I think that's awesome. Mm. And it's I would love to see us be able to, you know, offer them a way to build those things themselves, but have a little more expression, right? So they, they feel like they can, you know, it, for me, it's not even about the audience all the time. It's really about yourself, you know, being having something to work on and like, like, remember having personal websites way back in the day and you would just, like, hack along in some HTML? And I, I don't know if you guys did this, but, like, I think my first site was, like, a GeoCities or Top Cities thing. Angel Fire. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was terrible. It looked bad, but it was so much fun to be able to, like, right. you know, add to something every week. Just, you know, throwing awful MIDI tracks of, like, Blink-182 on it. <laughs> <laughs> animated gifs so i kind of i kind of miss a little bit of that and so i don't know for me it's being able to give people the opportunity to put some of that back in yeah i I don't even consider myself a designer by any stretch but a vast majority of the time when i visit a website i can tell just by looking at it that it's a wordpress site and a wordpress (laughs) theme of some kind like you just can't (laughs) right um and it's kind of depressing in some ways. Uh, and I just wonder, like you as a designer, I wonder if that drives you nuts because like I, I'm ruined. Like when I visit just about any page, I kind of dissect it from a web performance point of view, like to see what it is and does. I mean, are you ruined for some of the web pages you visit too? Like, let's say you're going to a news site and you, you're going there for utilitarian purpose. You want to find out the news do you load the page and just like forget what you were going to do and just look at the design and go, Oh God, why would they, you know, has that ever happened to you? Uh, no, but I, like I honestly, I think I find, um, I get more worked up over like companies and blogs moving to, to like a centralized platform, like medium mm-hmm. or something. Um, right. at least with WordPress or something, you have some, you're, you're, maybe choosing a theme, maybe you're getting it customized, something like that. Uh, Like I would love to see that pushed, but like, I feel like we sort of took a wrong turn by like putting all of our content in one, like one centralized basket. Like if medium shuts down, that's, that's like a lot of, a lot of great stuff that goes away with it. Right. And so, you know, and, and also, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I guess what I was asking is if if the design of something ever gets in the way where you you can't unsee it, you know what I mean, and it yeah. it interferes with what you were trying to do. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? I think it used to earlier in my career a lot more. These days, not so much. I think um, as long as I can use it or right. if it's usable, um, right. I try not to worry too much about you know how it looks or wh- what it is. It's mostly like. You know, if it's designed to manipulate me, that's that's where it's tough. Like if if it's got like pop ups everywhere for like to sign up to a newsletter or, you know, you see like a million Taboola ads at the bottom of it or whatever. That stuff drives me crazy because it, you know, or it's crowding out the the reading, right, with a bunch of advertisements or something like that. Um, I mean, thank God for ad blockers. And, you know, it's great to see browsers starting to have that built in and things like that. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's in terms of design. It's like, I think when I was earlier in my career too, like as, 
you know, going to restaurants or something and seeing a poorly designed menu or men- menu in mm-hmm. Comic Sans or something, I would get really like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a design in Comic Sans. But these days I'm like, I, th- I feel like I'm much, uh, much less bothered by that in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's like in some ways it's like, you know what, this menu works. Someone just did that. They're not like, maybe they got their nephew to do it. Maybe they did it themselves. They don't have a big budget. They're focused on, you know, setting up their kitchen, making a menu, doing all that stuff, making good food. So it's like, to me, I'm like, yeah, I guess it's not so much a bother. Yeah. Does that make sense? Let's let's say this is a restaurant you really like. Yeah. And and you visit their website and, and you, they make great food. But the design of the website is terrible and the <laughs> menus are terrible. Do you ever feel like it's your kind of calling or mission in life to be like, hey, get in touch with the people and be like, Look, I love I love everything, but you need help. <laughs> me, does, has that no, ever happened? No, to you? you need a single page with no style sheets that says when you're open and what your phone number yeah, is. Yeah, actually. For the love of God, get rid of all the other stuff that you have on your site and the flash because I just want to know if I can go there and eat your food. Yeah. But do you see yourself as a design evangelist? Do you ever see something that you like it and you want to, you know that they need help and you feel you should help them? I think only if it's like a really egregiously bad <laughs> user experience. Like it's actually okay. <laughs> like off. Like maybe they're, you know, they're using flash in 2019 or something for their site. And I'm like, you know, that's, it's, it's not accessible somehow. Like you can't, you're not going to be able to, you know, or it's going to, you know, it's going to cost you like 10 megs on your phone connection, on your cell phone connection, just to see the menu or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff is, and, and like, on it, like if I'm being honest, that's something I might internalize, but I'm never bringing that up to anybody. <laughs> that, that scenario that I put towards you, that actually happened to us. Oh yeah, my, my, my wife is uh, she has her master's in computer graphic design, and we had a a friend of ours that owned a really nice restaurant, and like you know, we went to the website to check it out, and and we're both like, oh my god, this is this is bad. Like this is not good. Um, and then we we're at the restaurant and they're, you know, the very fancy menu, it changed every night and all that kind of stuff. But it was very obvious that there was no designer on staff, like doing this stuff. Right? right. So my wife and I said, Hey, listen, let us help you. <laughs> and we ended up redoing, we rebranded them. We redid their website and, and did all that kind of stuff, you know, but That's- obviously there's so many of these things in the world, like you can't do all of them. Right. Yeah, that's, that's true. And like, you know, this is also me. It, I like, I've been doing this a long time and I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing client work anymore. So like when I, when I was doing kind of more like when we were freelancing or working with other agencies or something, that is definitely something that I, I would probably be more, um, yeah, more likely to do, especially if it was like a restaurant that I, I liked or if I if I was a regular there or something like that. And I I would totally be like, hey, <laughs> let us help you out here. I have the skills to help you. You know, let yes. me let me help you. Yeah. yeah when I first found I out. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so there are different, you know, in uh, for instance, in the in the food circles, like there are different levels of things. Right. There are people that, you know, they just eat what they eat. Right. Yeah. There are people that eat fast food and then there are people who feel they're above them that they'll eat just fancy food. And then there are people that are, um, pescatarians, you know, they'll eat, uh, they'll eat fish, but nothing else. And then you have vegetarians and then you have vegans. And then when I heard that you don't do client work anymore, I'm like, man, this guy is like super next level. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is not, we are, uh, you know, we are picky about our clients or we only accept a certain number of new clients every year. This is, we, we don't just, we don't take them anymore. And it reminded me of uh, breatharians. You ever heard of them? No. <laughs> so breatharians are people that believe that the human body should not have any food at all. And that food. And that food parts of the internet are you on? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, that, and that food or air is a universal food and you don't need anything. There's a whole thing called breatharians. And I'm like, man. What? Travis, and how long do how what is their lifespan like? 
Yeah, what do they live seventy two hours after they have an IV? What happens? Like, how I'm do they? How yeah. do they absorb nutrients? But I thought, man, like Travis is like the breatharian of the design world. You know what I mean? Like he just he doesn't need any of this stuff. So, well, I hope he's not insulted. But, I, mean, <laughs> I find that. Well, I mean, doing climate, it doesn't mean I don't like have a have work for money or touch with how things work so that, that was my goofy way of you getting to tell us like what it is that you actually do do okay. at louder than 10 yeah <laughs> so we focus heavily on breathing exercises and <laughs> and how to absorb uh living wage through breath so no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, no, we um, we run an apprenticeship program mm. for project leads. So, what do I mean by project leads? That could be project managers, um, design leads, dev leads, even owners. Sometimes, basically, if you run client projects um, and you are responsible for setting the timelines and communicating with clients and things like that, we will train you while you work over a year, basically. So every week we meet up over video chat, uh, and you and up to five other apprentices will go over theory about like, Hey, this is what you should charge. This is how you make sure that your clients are getting you what you need on time. This is how you keep your projects profitable, all that kind of stuff. And then Mm -hmm. through the year, we help, we support them with their jobs. So, you know, you meet up, you say, hey, you know, this project's delayed. What can I do to, to, you know, and then you get help from your peers and the trainer. And so, yeah, that's, that's what we do. So you have transcended. You've kind of become like... um, (laughs) Kind of like, well, I guess like a, a life coach for project managers and stuff? <laughs> uh, no, we are not. I, no, I can, I can say life coach. That's that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. And, and like I myself, I'm not a trainer. I do, um, I help develop a little bit of the curriculum. I build our platform and design it, do all our marketing and, and stuff like that. Um, my partner, Rachel, is very talented trainer she was trained as a teacher and then we also have another wonderful trainer in the east coast named abby fretz who was a project manager at happy cog and uh is currently head of projects at eastern standard right now so yeah we get to get some nice folks and i i love your website like i think it's Uh, it's really uh, it's just really nice you know it's one of those things that in a million years I wouldn't put together the kind of design elements that you have on there, but you have them on there and it all just kind of works. So how do, how do design systems factor into what you do at louder than 10? Um, it's really easy for us because we are such a tiny team, AKA I'm building the website and designing the website. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my partner, Rachel does a lot too with, especially with the copy side and things like that. But, um, does she ever say I don't like it? Change uh, this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. We have debates over that. And also, um, yeah. So, so, uh, but I do use a design system for sure. Like we've we built our own sort of pattern library like thing called Live Wires like several years ago, and we've kind of just built on top of that over the years. And that's kind of all the front end. Is that for doing wireframing or? Um, it started, it always starts out as a wireframe. And then mm. how, how we do it is we will actually make a style guide in HTML as well. So that's just like a catalog of all our, you know, HTML elements and components and things like that. And so on one hand, like Livewire starts out as just a very vanilla set of styles that we can use to wireframe with. It's just gray boxes with some layout classes and things like that. And so we'll we'll design the prototype using that usually. And this is how we would build uh, client projects back in the day too, is like we would just code out this wireframe. And then at the same time in parallel, we would style up a style guide. And then at the end of those two practices, we would just share the style sheet. And so 
almost immediately you have like a really rough starting point. So the style guide CSS, just you just plug it into the temp, the wireframe template, and then boom, you all of a sudden it, you're like 80% of the way there. Now that last 20% takes like 80% of the time, but of course. you know, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and then that also because of, you know, uh, these great utility classes and things like that, we were able to hook that markup directly to some nice fields in our CMS. So we have basically CMS readable CSS. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. Super handy. Yeah. Huh. So that gives us, you know, like we we use like a lot of great like button box fields and things like that. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll do things like, um, you know, font weight for like headlines, right? And so it's super easy. We just have like a, you know, half dozen classes or so in a drop down field that are like, I want this, this one to be, you know, the heavy style or bold or thin or whatever. And then we'll even have like a font switch style. So we want this to be our serif font or we want this to be our sans font. And then whatever one we choose, you know, that's what'll show up on that page. And so sometimes usually that's just done through utility classes. So And it sounds like that makes iterating on this stuff a lot easier to do. And I yeah. know that when I've worked with my wife, um, well, I say worked with when we're designing stuff like basically <laughs> she's designing it and and I'm implementing it and she tells me yes, no, or or whatever. But there have been a number of things where she's not really sure until she sees it in context. So having a tool that lets you really easily change stuff around and see how changing one element affects the whole design, I would imagine that that really kind of helps speed the design process. Yeah, it does. Like, um, you know, our typical process now nowadays, like the, the site's essentially done and it's always, like we, we do very little in Twig and CSS now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're just about to read launch our site in a few weeks but so we've just cleaned some things up and oh no i'm gonna miss crap. it oh uh, it's miss it. it's it, like you probably won't even notice a giant change on the front end like it's yeah. very much going to be the same but the beauty is um like we do i would say most of my design work is right in craft now for for mm. our site like i i just go mm. and yeah like you said i just huh. experiment and i have figma for like you know, brainstorming and playing with ideas, but usually 99% of the time, the thing I do in Figma looks nothing like what ends up coming so out for, on the page. For people who aren't familiar with it, talk about Figma a little bit. What is it and what does it do? Oh, it's a, it's like a, I guess, a UI design tool, like similar to Sketch or uh, Adobe XD or any of these other ones that are coming out. Um, mm. The beauty part about it is it is web-based and you can use it on a website. So A, it works on every platform, um, except for, I don't think it works on iOS for whatever reason. Um, but they also have, they have like an Electron app too. So you can install it as an app on your, your computer and it works great. But it's nice because it's like uh, collaborative by default. So you can have mm -hmm. multiple people designing on the same page at the same time. You can have conversations in it. It's got prototyping and I think some basic animation stuff in it. Like it's pretty amazing for an all-in-one tool. Like we used it, it so yeah. It's funny. I, I never heard of it, and now I've heard of it like twice in the same week. And it's not like a Simon Swiss thing where he just starts, <laughs> you know, promoting something all over Twitter. And I think that there's a huge thing, but it's really just Simon is really excited while I'm sleeping. Uh, yeah, I've got to check this thing out. Simon and his shiny objects. Yeah. So Fig Figma is something I haven't done much with either, but it looks pretty cool. And the other neat thing is that it can integrate with React and Vue. Yeah, you can have like a full round trip with this thing, which sounds pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty great. Like you got uh, like I think it's got an API with it that's fairly new. So people are still, I think, experimenting. I don't think there's anything that's really like plug and play. You can just like code back and forth with yet without a bit of configuration and stuff. But it's yeah, it's it's awesome. I love that. Um I think anything where we can get to that point where you can experiment 
but then not have to spend a whole bunch of time trying to translate some of those things, right. especially the extras on top of it, like just like the art direction part of it. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it just seems like a really interesting tool in that the, it's almost like it's integrating with view and react kind of like what you're doing uh, with utility CSS and craft on the back end. Yeah. You, yeah. You can have like these, uh, these various designs and you can work with them interactively and just see exactly what it's going to look like. And then, then there's your code. Like there is no step two, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I love that. Especially like, you know, getting like that initial setup, like however you got to get the, the initial design set up and, and in place, like, like most of us do, you know, mm-hmm. Take whatever process you want to. That's fine. But the part that really appeals to me is like that, yeah, that extra part on top where maybe you have one art directed post or page and you, you know, like how annoying is that as a developer to just design one page a week or something or like translate one design to code a week? That would be just completely insane to me. Like if you, you know, are working at, like New York Times or something. I guess New York Times has like, they work on their things for weeks. So that's a little different, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's nice to be able to not have to rely on development for, for every yeah. step of the way. And what they're what they're inching towards. So everything you hear about in the, the web world these days is components this and components that. What they're kind of moving towards with Figma um, is components where you you can have a preset component library that either you design or you get from someone else and then you just kind of lay everything out and you can interactively see how things interact. Like I, my wife was looking at it recently because she's doing a lot of Android app design mm. and they have material design Figma styles that you can just like plug in and start experimenting with. And it looks, it looks really neat. It looks really, really cool. Yeah. So is, that, is that a design system? Totally. Yeah, I think it is. I, I really do. Like, um, you know, I, I, that's, it's funny. Like I, uh, I don't know. The whole topic of design systems in general has really gotten a lot of like hype and steam in the last like two years or so. right? Right. Especially in the last two years. But I think it's something, it's something we've always sort of had and done. It's just that we maybe didn't really do it well before, or we're just trying, we're just like starting to hit some of the potential of like, oh, how, how can we, you know, maybe collaborate with development better with it? So is, it, is the design system kind of like pornography in that it's hard to... Def- <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Bear, bear with me. Bear uh, with me. Here goes that explicit rating. No, no, no. In, in that, it's hard to define what it is, but you know it when you see it. Like when you see something, you'll know that, the, oh, that's a design system. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, yeah i you could have said art like yeah yeah i mean yeah i guess so i i think so i mean there's gray areas with it for sure um and like there's very much a very central like you know you go to any of these design libraries like the ibm design library or design guidelines and you know that's like very clearly defined a design system and everyone can agree that that's a design system but I think they do sit outside of that. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people also put a lot of time into sort of developing like a real slick kind of set, like a style guide and like a, a big reference. And the hard part is actually the stuff around it, like like anything in our industry, really. It's all about, you know, communication. How do you share this stuff and make sure that this stuff is actually happening and I think that seems to be the issues that people are starting to find now. I'd like to see it go to even a further level about like, how does this stuff, like beyond design systems on how it looks, but like, how does this maybe affect society around us, right? Like, Mm. you know, things like what does, what implications does having a pull down menu have on your feed on a, on a social network? have you know on on people that kind of thing is something that we don't really talk enough about i think 
it seems like we all have more access to more and more of these components and cool tools, but there's they're almost begging for for that that design thinking where it's addressing the harmony of the whole instead of all these little pieces that are available but not necessarily aligned in the same direction. Yeah. Is that about Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or dancing hamsters all dancing together, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that is a, you know, side effect you do see of some component systems is like, you do get like some weird, like, isolated component. There, there's not like an overall cohesive kind of tightening of things, it seems as much. So, yeah. Yeah, I get, are we taking non-Andrew questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, anytime. <laughs> so if I if I understood right, Travis, what you do is kind of like represent and teach applied design thinking in the field. Is that accurate? I at all? <laughs> I not. I guess yeah. In in a sense, like um, I guess in a sense, like even the way our company works, it is. Um, with Louder Than 10, we do try to do that through, I guess, the lens and the channel of project management, which sounds really weird. But that's really, I think, where that connection happens. It's because of the communication between things. A lot of the times, that's what we're really talking about when we're talking about a design system of any kind, right? Is like, how do you, how do you communicate the goals of a project between, you know, clients, leadership, the rest of your team, keep everybody in sync, keep all the roles like kind of moving towards a common goal, make sure everybody, you know, having that gut check on, you know, is this, is this good? Should we be doing this? Not if we can be doing this, all of those things. So in a sense, yes, not, not, I wouldn't say directly though. Not, not, I I don't see myself as that anyway. Well, but you're not you're not representing the the harmony, the just the visual harmony of of a project and how it comes together, but kind of the whole thing. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> the design of the entire project and life cycle and relationships that kind of result in whatever the business is doing. Totally. But, yeah. 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 That's a. F- how did how did you get there from editorial design? Um, really, it was a kind of a combination of um, uh, my partner. Rachel uh, is a fantastic writer and she's a project manager, fantastic project manager as well. And then I was always mostly focused on design, development, that kind of thing. And so we've been working together for like just about 10 years now. And so the first part of our career was always, almost always subcontracting for larger agencies. And so we would... Like no one, no one knew who we were as like a company, but a lot of agencies knew who we were as freelancers or whatever. And so um, that's kind of the type of work that we would end up doing a lot. Rachel would do a lot of PMing, a lot of content strategy. I would work with design. And so we would end up working together on a lot of things and figuring out how to collaborate on those pieces. And so I, I guess it was about five years ago, we decided that like basically there was a lot of demand for for uh rachel to speak at like on pm at conferences and things like that at the same time we noticed project management in itself was extremely overlooked and anyone who was in that field uh just wasn't there was no education for it everyone sort of fell into it from other other positions and at the same time we saw it as a, a the way that most companies that we would work for were really failing on. So like they could do beautiful design work and they could do amazing dev work, but the client relationship would completely fall apart all the time. Like how rare is it for, you know, a company to have all their clients coming back on repeat? You know, the practice would be like a client would do a site for someone, they drop off, go to another company for the next one, go to another company for the next one. And so mm-hmm. those relationships weren't really strong. At the same time, all these companies were competing and, and all this. So we kind of wanted to do something in that space that was a little bit different that no one else was really tackling. And so we kind of just, basically we looked at our skills. We were like, okay, Rachel, teacher, content manager, management and project manager, me, designer and developer, 
And we see this problem, so let's figure out how to tackle this. And then eventually it was a few iterations of like starting with consulting, and like individual training and little like workshops and stuff. And then eventually we developed the apprenticeship as like the best way to A, have people retain the information and B, be able to like teach something to the entire life cycle of a project, right? It's not mm-hmm. just like a boot camp that you are in and out of and you're absorbed with a million hours of work in like a week and have to figure out how that works in the real world, right? It's like being able to apply and practice over time. Hmm. So yeah, long, long, long way around that, but. <laughs> no, I'm, that's fascinating. That seems really cool. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I was making that analogy is I see, as you mentioned, Travis, I see more and more people talking about design systems, like design systems are everywhere, you know, but everyone's definition of a design system is kind of nebulous. So I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, what exactly is this thing? Uh, Yeah, totally. I agree. A (laughs) hundred percent. Even I roll my eyes at like, another design system talk or another design system book or article or whatever. And it seems like we're really grappling with something that's, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like with anything, right? Like we, we really focus in on a tool for a long time without looking at the wider implications of what that means. And and like, what do you do with that tool? I think beyond that. I think the fun part, though, is that even if you're not a designer, you recognize like a well thought out system once you've experienced it. Yeah. Like you don't you don't have to know how to put it together to know when it's working. And um, so like we all have an appreciation for it, even if we don't know the steps that it takes to get there. Just like the the Michael Jordan analogy before we all have. Well, a lot of us have arms and legs and, and you know, can hold a ball and get near a hoop. But it's like appreciating what he's doing. That's kind of. I don't know the magic of it that fell apart, but (laughs) I thought I had a point. Sorry. (laughs) I came into this thinking we were going to talk about like the lonely planet, you know, design library and molecules and atoms and all that stuff. I am so confused. (laughs) I don't like it. And I like it. Yeah. We could talk about that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Patrick, ask him. Ask what you're confused about. You've got him. Uh, no, no. I just it, this has gone off into interesting things that I didn't even see coming, and it's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had experience working on large projects, and we looked at things like what Brad Frost used to do around you know thinking very granularly about your how you're designing your site and all the different patterns that start at very small levels and then work up into larger modules and things. Um, the, the issue we had, cause we tried to build something like that. The, the dream we always had back then was that the same sort of components we were using to build our style library, like something that designers could look at and see everything next to each other and that craft would use would all pull from the same templates, the same, um, you know, actual twig files or whatever. And we always had an issue just, especially when it came to, um, any like SAS things or JavaScript things, just because at least back then it was hard to keep those all contained and very componentized. I I think these days it's probably a lot easier now that um, you look at like view, how you can have like a dot view file that has your markup, your scripts, your SAS Uh, react. You can do the same thing. Um, I'd love to revisit that project with some of the tooling that we have now to come up with really modular chunks of design pieces. Um, Because yeah, like, Lonely Planet was one that we looked at and loved, and the idea was how can we ever take this whole library of design pieces and then have it also power the website? Um, yeah, that, that was the yeah. What I've always thought about is design systems over the years, at least as as far as the web goes. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point, right? It's like it's it, it's how do you make those things functional, right? Like how do you how can you mm-hmm. apply those every day and like. I feel like we're getting so close to that in a way that, but it's, I know like I'm rebuilding a lot of things on, on our own site with uh, view components on top of craft. And like, I know you guys have talked about this before, but like figuring out that combination is still not super easy, right? It's like, mm-hmm. 
what do you use a view component for? What do you use Twig for? And like, even just getting that set up right so they both just work is insane. Like, I mean, uh-huh. Andrew, you wrote this massive post on just setting up the webpack there, which I went through, by the way, and abusing it. But like, that took me like a good couple days to really get no, 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 no. It's a five minute read. <laughs> right. Everything's five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it, there is, there is this kind of natural tension and we talked about it before, but as, as web pages are asked to do more and more appish stuff, yeah, there's more and more tooling that gets layered on top. And, and, and yes, there will become, layers added. And I think Figma is trying to do this and Storybook and some other tools are trying to help out with that. There will be tooling that sits on top of all these lower level things um, and helps to take care of that for you. But I I definitely understand what you're talking about. Like a lot of this stuff, it's kind of complicated. And you're like, at the end of the day, I just want to put up a web page, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's there's like there's a lot of interesting sort of debate going on about this stuff. You know, you have like kind of the, it's weird, like having a foot sort of in either camp. Like I, I started doing this stuff in like, I think like 2001 is when I learned HTML. And then like also being a big fan of Vue and and having made like, like a, a single page app with that. And then also incorporating it in our site, like, there's a big debate of like, yeah, what happened to our web? It was all it used to be HTML and CSS and accessible and easy. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but also you could build so much more with a lot less. Now. Right. So there's there's like a mm-hmm. there's a balance to doing both. I think, and I think we'll get there. Like like anything, everything starts off really complicated and hard to do, and then we eventually tool it, <laughs> figure out tools and ways to do it so it right. simplifies. But well, well, people yeah. who are complaining about it becoming complicated i mean they're correct but also look at what we're asking it to do right i mean we're we're asking websites to do things that 10 years ago there's no website on the planet that was doing this stuff yeah you know i mean it was it was pretty incredible when gmail was actually able to make a functional pretty good mail client in the browser (laughs) you know what i mean and that was what 14 years ago time ago yeah 14 yeah give or take yeah Yeah, i mean I, like I'm building a like my personal website. Like I'm just trying to build the site. I'm it's I it's not a portfolio or anything like that. I just want to like a, a personal website. Like I had like in 2004, basically <laughs> is all I'm doing. And so like even that, like I set out, I'm like I'm just going to do this in HTML and CSS. And then I, mm-hmm. I started and I was like, no, this is way too much work. I, okay, so at least uh-huh. I got to have some includes or something on here to. You know, mm-hmm. so maybe maybe I'll do like a, you know, a site builder or something, whatever. And then I get going and I'm like, oh, but I want to like flow in my, you know, an RSS feed. I want to have like or, or like have an API so I can bring in my, you know, favorited articles on Instapaper or something like that. And I'm like, OK, no, well, it looks like we're going to have to like do like a, a thing that, you know, HTML, CSS just ain't going to do on its own, right? I have to right. start like looking at a JS library or, you know, a CMS or something like that. So I ended up just building it with craft and view, just like our, our uh, big site. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, it may end that, up being that. That was a perfect description of like the internet <laughs> from 2001 yeah. to the present. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know. But it, yeah. If you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first in- create the universe. So that, <laughs> yeah, it's like old Carl Sagan quote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It may end up being that HTML, you know, at some point is something that no one writes anymore, right? Because there are things layered on top of it, whether they're components or, or whatever they are, that allow us to build stuff quicker than actually coding stuff in HTML, right? I mean... It, micro, so it'll be micro assembly language. Yeah, exactly. Microprocessors, <laughs> they only understand binary, like right? Yeah. And then people are just like, well, binary, like nobody nobody's gonna do anything with that. Okay, uh, we can use hex, because hex is a little bit easier to understand, uh, but still really, really hard to do anything with it. So then people were coding in assembly <laughs> language, which is a little bit more human readable, right? 
and then people are just like, well, it's hard to really do anything at scale. And then you got C and you got Pascal. And then we ended up with PHP and JavaScript and all these things layered on top that all they all translate down into this uh, binary code, but no one's writing in it, you know, and, and that may be the case with this stack of tools that we're going to be using. And we just happen to be in a place where, well, we're not quite there yet. So we're still kind of going up and down this ladder of stuff. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I, I do think that it will get better. And it, it it very well could be that, you know, some of these languages are no longer things that we actually write in. They're just things that the computer translates down to because that stuff is universally understood, you know? Um, but there's a, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, there's a lot of promise in some of these um, JavaScript-based tools, but there's a lot of work to be done before we're there, you know? Yeah, totally. I'm curious, how do all of you, um, you know, do all of you work with client, like on client work in general? I yes. do, yeah. So, like, when you're creating a new project, like, how do you decide the general stack nowadays? Like, you know, how, you know, what, what are the decisions that go into, like, you know, how, <laughs> what pieces do we need to make this thing happen? Like, it seems like harder now than it was even like a couple of years ago when, like our, when we would do this stuff. Oh, I'll answer that first. So, I mean, for me, I look at the needs of the client in terms of like, what do they need this thing to do? And then I'll also look at what I'm interested in, right? And and the happy medium is when you find a mix of the two, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, we've got an upcoming project that it may make sense to do it as an SPA because of the nature of the project. Well, that would be fun. That'd be great because I'd be interested in in working on that and working all the kinks out of it. And I think Patrick, you've done a similar thing with Gatsby, right? You're really interested in this, mm-hmm. and you're just looking for a project. And I think you found one or two that you're then actually able to. Yeah, we've done Yeah. Yeah. We've used it on a very small one and now considering it for a very large one. So that's the, like, do we really jump in on the deep end and, and go with that? And yeah, it's exactly because it, it allows us to componentize things. It lets us do all of the, the kind of best practices right out of the gate without a lot of extra setup. Uh, But it does mean that, yeah, we're, we're in the Gatsby camp for the life of the website. Right. Um, you know, it's not like switching out g- grunt for gulp at some point. Like once you're into Gatsby, we're in, we're in. So, and Travis, I think to some extent it is what tools are you good at using, right? Yeah. I mean, in the hands of a, a master craftsman, you can make some pretty amazing stuff using some pretty uh, simple tools that you know well. So, you know, part of it is just what do I know? What am I good at? But then you also have to objectively look at what the client needs and, and what the best thing to use to accomplish that is, um, which probably doesn't help you a ton. Um, yeah, but but I, I guess that's the way it's sort of always been in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. But like we, so for instance, if someone approached me and they wanted to do a, a relatively simple brochure site, but they needed some flexibility, I mean, I would choose something like craft, right? Because it's super flexible and I know anything that they want to do, I can get it done. Um, I wouldn't choose something like Django or something like that because I don't know it. Mm-hmm. Not that it's not capable of doing that, um, but I found a tool that works really well for a huge majority of the projects that I might work on. Now, if there if there's a project that requires a ton of interactivity and uh, accessing remote APIs and all that kind of good stuff, well, then I'll, I'll probably look at using uh, Vue on the front end as a, a way and maybe even the entire site in terms of an, an SPA. So I don't know. It's like that, that famous old cop out. It depends. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but I, I think it's, we work on smallish, like a lot of brochure projects and, and brochure site projects and things like that. Um, and for me, the tools, I, I try to learn stuff that I'm interested in, but I'm always right. looking for what a sweet spot is. Yes. Different um, like blends of technologies. Like I'm playing with Gatsby right now, but I'm trying to figure out how, we could keep craft to be its back end and maintain live preview and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yep. So that if the right project needed Gatsby, I could mm-hmm. still use craft, which is just like a beautiful blank slate for pretty much anything mm-hmm. um, and be able to use like pull in and arrange these bits and pieces into something that works for the client and finding those things that work well together is usually my uh, never ending goal. 
um, and just adding things over time and componentizing and spending eight weeks with Webpack to force it into every project I have, uh, things like that. Um, but finding that kind of sweet spot of where things work well together so that I can package them for a client and for different projects is, is, uh, where I spend a lot of time. And for what it's worth, I mean, I think that's how I ended up on craft is that it is, it makes no assumptions or very few assumptions. Yeah. So it's very uncommon that you would find a project that would be outside of that purview. You're like, okay, so if it's too simple, then I would say, yeah, I mean, why even bother? Right. Mm. But for, for anything else, like it's, it makes no assumptions and it's a blank slate that you can build whatever on, you know, the content, uh, can be in the CMS. The actual website can be somewhere else entirely, whether it's via Gatsby or Vue or, or whatever, because if you want to use Twig on the front end, go for it. If you don't, that's fine. You can use CraftQL or you can use the Element API and you can have whatever front end you want that then consumes that content. And I think th- that's in large part why I'm pretty comfortable using craft on a lot of projects is it it's not making a whole lot of assumptions and forcing you to do things a particular way. Um, so yeah, I find it to be a pretty good tool for doing that. You know, that's, that's what we tell clients is that aren't familiar with craft is they'll say, well, why should we use this? You know, we right. know WordPress, we know how to set up a blog with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and my answer, whether that puts them off or is more enticing is that uh, craft lets us dictate the form that the project will take and not the other way around. Right. And that is the benefit. And if, it doesn't mean we have to use that or that's necessarily the right tool, but that's the kind of thinking that we're bringing to this thing. So it says a lot about just the potential relationship and the project in general, if, if that's an attractive idea or not. Yeah, it just makes me feel comfortable because the content has to go somewhere. There has to be somewhere that the client can go in and edit stuff that is reasonable. And then even if the front end is completely different, it, it kind of doesn't really matter. You, you can use craft headless. like You don't have to use um, the built-in twig and that kind of stuff. But finding finding exactly the blend that goes into a particular project, you know, how much of this and how much of that, it totally depends on the project, right? And that's what yeah. is great about uh, craft is you can mix and match stuff, you know? Um, you're not You're not limited in terms of, well, we want things to work this way, you know? Yeah, that is one nice thing. Like, um, I, <laughs> I know, like, having to wrangle, like, the WordPress loop or something else like that or some terrible plugin, I'm so glad to, yeah. like, be mostly insulated from that kind of thing in craft. You, you just, you think it, you do it, and if you want to throw a view component on it, there's not much thinking you have to do around it it's like maybe you have to you know output something as json on on into a Mm -hmm. component or something but it's pretty trivial like it's not yeah i love that about it you you do have that flexibility for sure i'm thinking about i'm thinking about how this relates to design systems it's like craft doesn't impose any particular structure and a design system provides you a structure Hmm. yeah that's actually uh yeah that's a super good way to put it um i was wondering this is one thing actually i've been thinking about lately too was even if you could potentially you know say you have all your just the pure easy content management in craft like you have your normal fields just like anyone maybe would Mm -hmm. a normal site but then if you were to have like a series of hidden fields on every entry that may be outputted to a view interface on the front end that you could just do art direction with. So it's not exposed to clients or anything necessarily or whoever is inputting content, but you just have like a nice little control panel on the front end where you could just, you know, it maybe, maybe it just outputs some, you know, json or something like that 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 asynchronously like loads at the end on on the normal page load but you just have like the icing on the cake that loads in or something just to make it easier for you to iterate through and experiment with is that what you mean yeah just so like like as easy as craft is during live preview it would be nice to actually have an interface designed specifically for art directing right like so you could control 
you know, the grid a little easier, maybe, or you could, maybe you could, you know, click on a headline to change what properties it has on it or something like there's, there's gotta be some cool combo that you could do on there. But have you ever seen, there's a, an older video, I, I tweeted it out recently by uh, Brett Victor on, uh, it was inventing on principle yes. I think is what it was called Classic. where he, it, it, what you said reminds me of that in terms of he made tools that allowed people to interactively just experiment and see, you know, the way things happen. And yeah, I mean, for sure, I see no reason why uh, you couldn't do something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know um, I- I'm not going to give away too much because I don't want to, to blow up his spot or anything, but I know a developer uh, that is working on something for grid layout stuff so that you can just define whatever grids you want. The content editor uh, goes in there and just fills in the content. And then the grid field lets you control like, you know, what's going to be there. And and it's just on the front end, it ends up just outputting the the grid framework for you to put that stuff in and you can experiment with, you know, what goes where and all that kind of cool stuff. And so it looks like it's not, it's more limited than what you're asking for, but it does let you experiment on a grid based level in terms of experimenting with layout and different ways that the content can be combined and flowed together, which I think is really neat. Uh, that's, that's awesome. I would love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I, we'll talk offline. I don't, again, I don't want to blow up his spot, okay. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> uh, Travis, this has been fantastic having you on here. I really appreciate it. Um, oh, thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. I think that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review, please. We need reviews. You can also follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Just leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Marian Nulevant. I'm Matt Stein. And I'm Patrick Harrington. And thank you, Travis, from Louder Than 10 for coming on. Thanks so much. I actually really wanted to continue that conversation, but I've got to get my kids pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) Breathe it, Terry.